Everybody can relax. I found the car. Need some suspension work and shocks and uh, brakes, brake pads, lining, steering box, transmission, rear end. How much? Only 4,800. Maybe new rings, also mufflers, a little wiring. I flip over, I hit the wall and I flip. Ken, instead of interviewing the winners, walks up to me with a microphone. He's like, he says my name weird, like you say. And uh, he's like, so what happened there? And I was like, oh, dude. He's like, you know what, Ken? I lost a right front wheel bearing and I hit the wall and flipped over. And that is not what happened. (laughs) How can I say to this guy, you suck. <laughs> and <laughs> and what's his reaction going to be? I mean, mine would have been, who the hell are you? But he never wanted me to race. He always felt it was too dangerous. Yet my ski racing, where you're whizzing by trees at 60, 70 miles an hour right. with, with only a helmet on, that seemed fine. Are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Welcome, everybody. We are on the heels of our triumphant moment, our first Uncommon Deeds Live, and man, did we have a great time! It was awesome. It was a great, great night. We weren't sure how it was going to go, you know, and we worked really hard at it. It's the thing that we've worked the hardest at, I think. (laughs) And I mean, I think we pretty much nailed it and we had some hiccups. Don't get me wrong. Um, But it was a, it was just a fun time. Yeah. I've never been a big concert guy or music guy. And I am still not after Saturday. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. We so, uh, we had everything yeah. set up, ready to go. We had gotten there at the beginning of the day, gave plenty of time to get everything set up. We did. Tested everything great. And then five minutes before we were scheduled to start at 530, the, uh, the band showed up that was playing after us and said, we need to move all our stuff that they wanted the entire back wall for their seven piece band. And, uh, we were perturbed and it's not, there's plenty of blame to go around, including some on ourselves yeah, for I, not. And I said, yeah, for not absolutely. locking in for sure. What we were supposed to do, where we were supposed to be. There was not enough communication, so there's blame, blame to go around. I don't necessarily appreciate how it was brought to us in the means yeah. that it was brought to us, but you know, rather than piss and moan, we moved our stuff up 10 feet, and it kind of threw off the setup with the speakers we had set up, and then we uh, started having audio issues about a minute and a half, two minutes in to uh, 
to the live show and we had to scramble a bit and I got bumped we from <laughs> we went we went from seven microphones that were working and ready to three yeah and so uh the three of us you me and Al were going to have to share a microphone which is crazy and then we had four guests that had to share two microphones on the other side again crazy um but tom kind of made the executive decision sort of on the spot that i'm just going to produce the thing don't worry about me and it really upset me yeah <laughs> it upset me and so I, much and i appreciate that and you're not going to hear it in this episode because i edited it no. out because i thought it lacked some context i guess it doesn't now because we're talking about it in the open but it's Monday at nine o'clock and I don't have time to put it back in and Justin wants it back in, but I don't have time. Uh, I'm very appreciative. Everyone was very nice. Justin was, you know, a sweetheart about it and was more upset than me, maybe more upset than my wife, but very close uh, and brought it up. And there was a nice cheer that made me feel nice and I appreciate it would do the exact same thing again as we've learned, especially in the early episodes of this podcast. Cause there was a moment where Justin kind of went, came over to me when the guest was talking and said, Hey, let's switch so you can get some time. And immediately in my head, I said, this is the guy that went three weeks without realizing he wasn't talking into the right microphone <laughs> when we started this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and now I'll run the soundboard. Yeah. yeah, we we each bring things to the table, and I know what I bring. Uh, and it was it was just a bit of an adventure, and I was riding four different mute buttons with four different levels, and trying to get everything to stay, and kind of riding stuff back and forth. And it was just trying to anticipate who was going to speak next. And it was just the smartest thing for me yeah. to do make it sound right for the people that were there. Cause that was the number one goal. We talked about it before we went. The number one goal is to make it entertaining for the people there in attendance. Number two, get good sound to record for the podcast. Number three, all goes well to get the video for the YouTube, which hopefully will be up in the next week. I was just talking to Steve, which by the way, we have to huge shout out. Steve Longchamp. Oh my God. He yeah. was awesome for us. He let us use some of his equipment as uh, we have not fully invested in live show equipment for ourselves as this was only number one live show. But he was great. He worked with me. We had everything set up, ready to go. When it started going haywire, he was right there trying to help me figure it out. We managed to get it presentable and we couldn't have done it the, uh, the weekend without him. When you see the video, um, you'll see Steve walking in front of the camera many times and crawling around under tables and unhooking cables and microphones and swapping things and really MacGyvering this thing on the fly. And you were doing that too. And I couldn't pay attention because I was trying to talk to the guests and keep the show moving. Um, it was chaos for about 15 minutes there. Um, 
And of course, because we had to move everything, it started late, which turned out to be okay because yeah. had we started on time, there would have been about 20 people there. And I thought of that before, even before the band debacle, I was like, man, if we go right at 5.30, as soon as practice ends, no one's going to be here because they're all just yeah. finishing practice and they have to load up yeah. cars and they need to do this. So hopefully if they have us back next year, I think we're going to look to push it maybe 6.30 start time. Yeah, and you'll hear you'll hear go-karts in the background too, which is something that we didn't anticipate being as loud as it was. Um, we knew that there was going to be go-kart racing going on in the infield. We were over in turn three and fairly close to that, but those little go-karts make a lot more noise than I think any of us realized. Um, but I don't think it made it in no, it, I It's it's barely noticeable really on your edit of, of the podcast. It was much more noticeable for the people in attendance live. Um, mm-hmm. And we heard a lot of, oh, I couldn't hear it because of the goddamn go-karts. So we tried to, when the go-karts were running, we tried to do less, if that makes sense, or or break for a minute or two. <clears throat> Listen, we all learned a lot of stuff. I really, I mean, my hat's off to Chris Mashad for, he kind of let us steer the ship on this. You know, it's his racetrack, and he's like, you guys do what you want, and I'll make it happen. Um, yeah, we had, and we had a lot of help from all the track staff too. And um, we all learned a lot of things and we won't stagger us with the band, with go-karts, with practice, with all the things that were happening at once. Um, quite the same, but uh, it was still, damn, it was fun. And <clears throat> I kept looking over at you, like kind of checking in like every 30 seconds. <laughs> Tom, okay. And you weren't at first. You're you're you kind of had your jaw set and you were like, oh, this is bullshit. <laughs> Cause it was. But then you started started to kind of get a twinkle in your eye and you were you were really having fun. And I was I was having fun watching you have fun with it. And because it, you enjoyed it. I, I could tell that you were enjoying it. I did. And it it really wasn't per se the not talking thing, is I was pissed off about the audio stuff. And I was still oh, struggling for a little bit, trying to maintain, yeah. and then like had a little brainstorm 15, 20 minutes in and f- made a little adjustment that made things a little easier and sound better. And then I was like, okay. And then I could kind of relax a little bit and have some more enjoyment in the process. Yeah. I don't know when it was, but I remember there being a, a tipping point where you kind of went over the fulcrum and you were like, all right, we're in a groove. It sounds good. Let's kind of just have fun with this. And I was really glad that <laughs> that we all got there because I was I was on pins and needles, man. I was I was boiling inside um, because of the way it all went down, but it was fine. Yeah, and uh, we're gonna give out some more thank yous because this was a great weekend. Something you're not gonna hear on this podcast, but you can see it and hear it when the YouTube video comes out was our deal with race to read who we're both super, we're super excited to try and do a little something for we had planned a donation, a couple hundred bucks. We're not getting rich over here, but we want to do what we can. And especially Justin and I having kids that are starting school, me more than him, uh, 
and excited about we're school. The, we're on the same timeline, though. Yeah. <laughs> that are excited about school and are excited about maybe trying to learn to read and do these things that comes with kindergarten, that this seemed like a great opportunity for us to try to do something. So we had planned our donation. And then Al, out of nowhere, said, hey, I have this helmet. I brought it because yeah. it's small. He had got it for his daughter. She never used it. It was brand new. Like, what do you want to do with it? And I was like, hey, what if we just try to get everybody to sign it? And then Justin, and you, I did. You keep, problem with Justin at a racetrack is he's very easily distracted or pulled away to other things. Yeah. but you came up with the idea to auction it off and Al was super excited about getting to uh, be the auctioneer, which somehow involved him taking his belt off. That was his gavel. Yeah. (laughs) So we got down, got moving. And originally we were, let's try to get all the late models, but then we're going around and we're seeing legends and all these other people. Okay. Let's get them to sign it. You know, Got Chris Mashad to sign it, and Dale Shaw, and Dale Shaw, yeah, and yeah, all these people, um, yeah, yeah, Dale and DJ on that helmet, yeah, yeah. Mark Lanfear was on it, yeah. I mean, it was the last time Mark raced, but that's cool. Um, and yeah, it was really Caden cool. Fisher, and, and who Caden Fisher announced his presence with authority? I think this weekend. God, you got that right, man. It's one thing to have everybody talking the talk for you for a year and a half, maybe. Yeah. But then, you know, nut crunch time came and he put on a damn good shirt. What do you end up fifth overall or something? I haven't actually looked at I'm, I would believe it though. Yeah. I have, as of this recording, I, I don't even know what the milk bowl finish is other than Chris Pelkey won, but um, <clears throat> it was so, that race was so close that it was so hard to keep track of who was in the running and and because going into the third segment, there were like 10 cars within three or four points. It was pretty ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> And Chris Pelkey, God, that was cool that he won and just capped off the dream season. Um, But I think most people's eyes were on that red and yellow 18 for Caden Fisher. And I think that's going to be the way it is for quite a while. Uh, but anyway, to finish the the helmet story, you know, Al uh, has been so deeply involved with race to re- and it's Al Maynard, by the way, that we're speaking about, um, our host of the um, occasional Crunch Punch podcast. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so that was near and dear to his heart. And uh, he he did some auctioning there, <laughs> auctioneering. And there was a great little bidding war between Brian Hoare, one of our guests, who was sitting at the panelist's table while this is happening and Rick and Liz green. <laughs> and then there was this third voice out of nowhere and we're, it's a woman's voice and we look in the crowd and it's Brian's wife outbidding Brian. <laughs> so that was, that was a bit of a moment. That oh, was- and he, he realized it right away. Yeah. And he told, <laughs> he told us a story after we had stopped recording about <laughs> yeah. a similar event happening at one point when, uh, they were at an auction. They saw, saw Dave Moody on the other side of the room and she started waving at him and 
they accepted her bid. Dollar bid or something. Yeah. Uh, love it. Well, anyway, uh, the Greens uh, got that helmet for five hundred bucks, and that all went to Race to Read. And you know, we're proud of that. It came together in three hours' time, maybe. Um, and that's. I want to hit on this because you mentioned it. This happened with a few of the things we like to say we planned and prepared, which we did for the live show. But then all these other little things popped up as an opportunity for us to do something. And I'm very proud we pulled it out. We had the throwback awards that you made Friday afternoon based on, on a face, based <laughs> on a track. Facebook comment yeah. and we pulled that together got tons of votes and yes we may have missed a couple cars especially in the tiger division was not yeah. was not intended it was just us scrambling trying to get it together and up on the Facebook page and voted for by time to announce it at the live show three, four hours later. It was not so, intended. You know, next year, I think it seems like it was a fairly big hit in terms of interaction on yeah, our page. Yeah. So the votes are still coming in right now. We The race ended. The award went out more than 48 hours ago, and people are still voting on, on the cars. Uh, yeah, poor Logan Powers, and he got his moment with the Tiger win, and I'm glad for that. Um, but we we didn't even see it, and I'll tell you why. We literally didn't watch any racing on Saturday. We were so busy with our merchandise stuff um, with Al and Andy and Kathy and uh, the wards. And um, thank God for them. They they really did us a, a great service selling our shirts. Um, and we hope to work with them again in the future uh, quite a bit. But between that and setting up the um, pavilion area where we did the live show, we never watched a lap of racing. We saw five or six cars do time trials and that was about it. Um, so I didn't even, I didn't even see Logan Powers car until Sunday. And by that point it was obviously too late, but hopefully and I think the the throwback thing is a pretty cool trend with the Milk Bowl that we're going to plan ahead knowing that we want to do this. And I think hopefully we can find a sponsor and maybe actually kind of give a little prize to the yeah. winner. Yeah. Maybe inspire a few more people to to go for a throwback. There you go. Marcel, are you listening? You started this whole thing. Speaking of Marcel... Justin was hot on the karaoke microphone <laughs> Friday night. There's so many comments like, oh, you must have lost a bet. Oh, you must have been hammered. Oh, no, man. I was, that was my second beer of the night. I didn't even, I don't need any sort of convincing to do karaoke. I am a tried and true veteran. I'll do it right now if you want. I'm, I love, I love singing. I love karaoke and hell yeah. You mentioned, you know, the wards, thank them, and thank you guys. Justin and I kind of bulked up on merchandise going in and really thought that maybe we overshot the mark a bit and probably got too much. 
but you guys bought so much merch and it was very overwhelming how well a lot of the merch did and we're super excited because it gives us the opportunity and the confidence to do some other stuff and we have a couple really cool ideas that I feel pretty strongly are going to come soon now and it's not like anything we've done before but it's going to be freaking awesome yeah and we've we've been working on it for a while uh, behind the scenes and it's it's going to be really cool um we also learned that we need winter hats because it was 48 degrees at its warmest point during the normal so we <laughs> Had a lot of a lot of requests for winter hats and more hoodies, so we, we learned that too. We did our first test of hoodies, so if you only listen to the podcast and you're like, what the hell? I've never seen hoodies. That's because we've never had them. Yep. We tested it out at the Milk Bowl, and I believe we sold pretty much every single hoodie we had. I think we started with 12 or 13, and I brought one home. So, yeah, that was cool. Is it the youth media? Uh, yeah. It's pretty... It's pretty um, bizarre sort of an out-of-body experience to walk around the racetrack and see people wearing our logo. I don't know. That's It's crazy that anybody would, would want to spend their money on this, but we couldn't keep people away. It was It was very overwhelming, and we thank you all. And I'm sure there were adult beverages that took part in your decision-making to buy our merch, and I appreciate you nonetheless. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> There was a few I don't people care how you spend your money as long as you spend it with us. There was a few people who really stumbled up to that table after the live show. <laughs> and I love you just as much. That is true. Yep. <laughs> that was our uh, our first live show and we are looking forward to doing more. Obviously yeah. we'd love to be back again next year for the Milk Bowl, but I think not to speak for Justin, we want to do one before then for sure. Yeah, to just kind of get our sea legs under us, you know, and and really figure this out. We know now what not to do, for sure. Um, we know what to have in case of fire, break glass, kind of thing. Um, so that's cool. And I think if we can put some of those plans into action and be in maybe some different settings and at different tracks, or it doesn't even need to be at a racetrack, um, and just just different scenarios, I guess, um, and really kind of. My, you know, Gord Downey was the lead singer of my favorite band, The Tragically Hip, and he's he's passed away. But my favorite quote from him was, we'd love to be able to say that we could play on the ass of an elephant, just be versatile kind of thing. And I think that's what we kind of aim to do as well. I didn't know who your favorite band was, but I was pretty sure I knew who it wasn't. Yep. <laughs> All that's right. True. Folks, as... Uh... We mentioned had some audio issues at the beginning of oh, this podcast. Hold on, wait. You can you can finish that thought in a second, but I have one more thank you, Kevin Smith, for supplying the Bellagio that we stayed in. That was the most incredible experience of my of my life. Parking our thirty six dollar pop up trailer next to Richard Green's million dollar bus. That <laughs> was the most awkward juxtaposition of all time. It was really, it leveled out the property value. I'll tell you that it, it looked like Mater parked <laughs> next to lightning McQueen's race hauler. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. 
Oh my god. No heat, all of the mold. The door kept falling open because the trailer flex is so bad. It was and it was quite the show. One of our previous guests, and you might be able to figure it out based on context clues Justin just gave, at one point roped you guys in to said yeah. pop up. I actually think he was doing us a favor. I think he was he was trying to play a joke, but he tied the door shut and it was Joey Becker. And uh wow, you just <laughs> and it, it gave it away. It, it, it kept us a little bit warmer. That was nice. Barry tile, bushy generator sales and service, LaCare's Power Sports, Monaco Racing. Thank you guys for making this an opportunity for us to do. Humbling is a word we've thrown out a couple times in this this open and it's true every time we keep you know getting business getting sponsorships from these people it's humbling that they want to invest some of their money in our vision and we joke you know that we think we undersell over deliver and I think when we started to do this live show, we really wanted to go out of our way to over-deliver for the sponsors we had. We had banners up, which you won't be able to see as well during the YouTube show because the freaking band made us move after we had freaking put them up perfectly in line with the cameras. Uh-oh. <laughs> but we had that. We're going to have the YouTube. They'll be up on there in this podcast and they deserve it because they help us do this thing. Yeah. You know, and we get a chance. Justin and I don't make it out, especially to Thunder Road as much as maybe Kevin Chafee thinks that we do. We don't live there. We don't have residency there. Uh, And we got a chance to see, you know, Jeff, and Jared LeCare, and it was great. It was the first time we'd seen them since we started our partnership with them, and they were super excited, only one episode in to their deal. I think Jared told us that Jeff was super excited that we went more than 30 seconds talking about them. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. Jeff must not listen to a lot of our podcasts because we tend to go long on our sponsors because we're appreciative and because we believe in what they do. Just wanted to say thank you to all those guys. Yeah, very much so. And you're going to hear from Eric Monaco uh, in a minute because, unfortunately, his his part of the show got axed a little bit from the audio issues. But uh, we caught up with him. Well, of course, as we say this, it's tonight, but it was about an hour ago. He's sitting in the Burlington airport. He might still be there now as we, uh, as he's waiting for his airplane to come in and take him back to North Carolina. But um, that was, that was fun to kind of follow up with him here tonight and, and give him his, his due um, for being part of the show. So, and ironically we had to record this because we had the audio issues and unfortunately, they were most prevalent during his, you know, five minutes with us. 
and we started recording. We talked to him for probably 10, 10 minutes or so before we recorded tonight, and it was perfect. And then as soon as we started recording, the uh, the PA came on at the Burlington Airport for a solid two and a half, three minutes, and I couldn't <laughs> help but laugh. Yeah, just a big old bag of irony, but it worked out great. And uh, Eric is a is a really cool guy, and um, he can make your race car go faster. and And that's that's what we wanted to talk about and, and give him the chance to get the message out that he did for the live people, the people that were there for the live show and the audience. But um, just the recording didn't come through that well. So, anyway, yeah. So uh, we're gonna give you that right now and then we'll go straight from that into uncommon deeds live from the milk bowl once again thanks to everybody for who helped make this happen and who came out i don't need in this list of all these people we thanked i don't know if we thanked all the people that actually came and sat and listened and watched and laughed and cheered and you know you can picked on you Aaron can hear the crowd. You can hear the crowd get bigger as the show goes. You know, we started. We probably started with thirty people when we when we hit record, and by the end it was, I am going to guess, well over two hundred, maybe almost three hundred, uh, which was super cool. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, because I know you weren't there for the band. Now. Let's uh, let's teach you a little bit about Monaco racing. So, because of our audio issues, um, unfortunately, the guy that we really wanted to promote got screwed out of it. Um, our our sponsor, Eric Monaco with Monaco Racing, uh, had the unlucky duty of going first and kind of being the test dummy un- unwittingly, unknowingly, and uh, we lost a good portion of the audio on that. But the good news is his flight was delayed. He's in Burlington. <laughs> At the skinny pancake, a couple of beers deep, yep. and uh, yep. we can do this. We can do this now. <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's like you're here, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, we. I think we'd be uh, more concerned if you weren't a couple deep after five hours at the Burlington Airport. No kidding. That's what I told. I actually told people right next to me. I said, "There is no way I'm doing this sober." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting yeah. there going, "Well." Yeah, I don't know. The Zoom or the flight? <laughs> because, yeah. Yeah. So, Which, ironically, uh, yeah. is how a good number of fans view the Milk Bowl. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. And, and our right. live show. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So, you were working with uh, Eric Sands uh, in the Milk Bowl. And, I mean, kind of just tell us what you what you do. What is Monaco Racing? What do you what do, you do for, race, for race teams? That's essentially, you know, consulting, you know, crew chief for hire kind of, you know, you know, but it depends. Like there's some special kind of situations. Like, for example, I worked with Larry White on a dirt big block modified and I was teaching him how to, you know, use a pull down rig. So, you know, it starts, you know, in that angle. But for the most part, it's mostly going to the racetrack and being on the cell phone and telling you, okay, this is why you do things or, you know, how you do things. And, um, you know, obviously my NASCAR experience sort of, you know, leads into that. Obviously I've 
been trained for about like, you know, 12, 13 years in that business to, you know, how you do things in a routine and what details you check for and so on and so forth. And it's bringing that information or that knowledge into these local races to help them understand the significance of even the smallest detail, like notes. People don't think that's important, but I mean, you keep good notes. It gives you a notebook where you can rely back to and build your program. So realistically it could be a lot of different things um but for the most part it's like crew chief to hire but at the same time it's just it's more than that it's more about observing what you have and then how you do things and then saying hey maybe you should try this and it's up to the discretion of whether you want to use it obviously that's what they're trying to get out of me so um that's essentially what it is and I'm the kind of guy, this is the most anti-me thing I've ever done in my life because I'm usually just that guy that's just sort of in, you know, in the corner, does his job, goes home, keeps his mouth shut. Um, but now it's like I got to promote to everybody that, listen, this is what I'm trying to do. So the branding, the LC, and the social media is all trying to do that, get people to be aware. So I got to imagine there's a big variance on what you do based on who you're helping. I would assume a job helping Nick Sweet go for his fourth milk bowl is a lot different than helping Sands try to qualify for his first. Right, exactly. So it's the perspective thing. Like last year, my stats were freaking ridiculous. I couldn't believe how good they were, but it was because I was with a lot of successful people and it was literally just giving them that little, you know, that little flick where it's like, okay, hey, why don't you do this? Just try this or whatever. And it's literally just one turn or whatever. Um, whether it be, you know, that little tweak on a setup that just makes them go, you know what I mean? Nick knows how to win a race. Uh, John Beal, Dalton Zero in Wisconsin, they know how to win races. Um, I worked with Katie Henninger down in Hickory. Uh, Nick, uh, Matt Pierce, we work with her, but again, they know how to win races. But again, just giving that extra perspective, you know. So that's one end of it, right? You're at the top. Um, Trevor Sanborn, he was a top ten. He was a top ten driver. It's trying to get him to top five winning level. And you know, we had I had some success, but we're still good friends. I helped him replace his power steering line this uh, this last race because you know um, he had issue in his feet. Um, and helped them finish second. Um, those guys are good friends of mine uh, now, especially after doing this. That's what's great about this. You know, you can make friends and stuff doing all this. But, um, you know, we were like, he was like stuck in seventh. And we were down to where he was at least runner-up in some of his races. Just you need to catch a break and then uh, just gave him that little bit of leg up. And then you got, you know, guys like Aaron Sands. He's been only the tour for a year now, about two, almost two years, When you know, once this is all over with. And just trying to get him to where he's consistently in the top stand. But what I'm learning is I need to start looking into voodoo because the poor bastards are getting, they just don't have any luck. And that's really what their problem is. They're bloody fast enough. It's like, I don't know what I got to do. I got to bring a freaking, you know, voodoo doll or whatever to the trace track or something. And then, uh, um, and then obviously like the Lampers was where it all started. Um, just trying to get them competitive. And I mean, it, Worked right at the gate. Riley was running top ten against Eddie McDonald Lee. The first race that worked for him, and then the second race, Peyton with it goes and finishes third on the podium at White Mountain in the White Mountain Weekly race. And I mean, that caused some noise. I know that for sure. And uh, yeah, you you worked with with Peyton Lanfear uh, quite a bit last year, and you guys raced for average finish from I think you said it was like nineteenth to ninth or something. Yeah, so like taking ten positions off of an average finish is <laughs> that's a significant yeah. improvement. Yeah. And, the real, the real, you know, I, I was telling you before the show started, I, I, I talked to Mark a lot and 
we had talked about that. It's the first time I think both of us have ever talked about that and, you know, as a past tense. And, um, I think I, I look at it now because, you know, it gives you a different perspective once you hear it because you only have that one viewpoint, right? You, we never really talked about during. We just kept working for working for working for it. He was a great um, – because he does a lot. He, I mean, he slays for those two girls. And really, you know, I'm, that's the kind of guy – that's why I wanted to help because the guy just didn't sit there. and I think he said one time, he said, I'm trying to run two late model teams with a street stock team. You know what I mean? And yeah, um, yeah. doesn't have much help. He works his tail off, and um, but he's a great mechanic. And he was trying to explain to Jaden Perry because him, me, him, and Jaden were at the at the, at the Donahue's uh, fire up at the uh, parking lot, or up in the camping area like uh, on the road. And we're talking about it, and he's trying to explain to Jaden what exactly I do. And Jaden's like, "Well, you know, you're helping me out." So I said, "Yeah, but here's the thing: I'm good at mechanics. Eric's that guy who can tell you why." And I, it clicked in my head. I'm like, we were a great team because Mark was such a good mechanic. He could get stuff done really quickly with two cars. And I could sit there and say, well, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm seeing. The guy's running around. He can't think. You know what I mean? He's, he's just doing, doing, doing. You know what I mean? And um, It's like the, the Chip Grenier situation that we've talked about a couple of times where he's crew chief and driver, and you just you can't do both. You have to you right. kind of need somebody to be one or the other. Yeah. Right. And, and like this weekend, uh, when we did the test or we did the Thursday pra- or Friday practice, um, you know, I had to do tire pressures while I'm trying to hear Eric and talk to him about what, what to do next. And I, and, and then I got check across, remember, see if we're not hitting the track and stuff like that. And it's hard to do all that. I mean, you got to like the reason why all these big teams do the things that they do or have so many people is because you need to focus on that one aspect and with short track racing, it's everybody's got to do multiple jobs and it's very easy to miss something. And, um, it makes it very much tougher. Two cars was absolutely insane with Rod and Peyton, but I figured out based on what I did with them at Hickory. That's when we first, you know, this is when it all started with Hickory with them. Um, you know, Riley can tell you what the car can do. Peyton can just drive the ever living shit out of that damn race car. You know what I mean? So she can't tell you, but Riley can. So I used Riley and said, okay, you got the mindset. You know, you're, you know what's going on. She's almost like the test dummy. And uh, it, it sucked. I, I was really bummed out for her at that White Mountain race because she should have been right there at Peyton, if not better, because she was really fast. Um, I feel like that took the wind out of her sails and, you know, um, so, you know, she got a little bit of it back in, at Oxford here this a few months ago. I saw a little bit of that. I know she says that's her best race back. So, um, I felt like that Mark and, and that family learned a lot from that. And basically, went, the reason why it ended was because I lost my job at Nice at the time. I worked at Nice as an engineer and a shock you know, technician there. So, um, I had to move on. I had to find those deals that were really keeping the funding going. And luckily, as I said before, John Beal, Nick Sweet, um, and um, a handful of other people, Katie Hedinger and her family, um, Larry White, and, and uh, I'm trying to think who else was out there. Um, oh, uh, Woody Howard, when he did the Martinsville race out there, uh, they all helped out and they, you know, kept me going. And then, you know, Trevor Sambo was the next one. I thought it was over once the year was over. And he sort of picked up and then, um, and yeah, obviously Eric and Jay Sands have helped out as well. So, um, it's, it's different. Last year was like taking those top guys and then this year it's like, okay, we got to get those mid packers 
Um, so obviously the wind toll is going to go down a little bit. <laughs> we kind of do that stuff. So I'm curious, how do you explain the milk bowl to your friends outside of New England? We're like, wait, what are you going to do? And you're like, oh, we have time trials, heat yeah. race, three segments over two days. Right. So obviously in Wisconsin is very easy because they have the Dick Trickle 99. Well, it's not obvious, but I know. Um, it, Dick Trickle 99 was actually an idea that came from Greg McCarns, the promoter at Arkham Midwest Tour, who does the Oktoberfest in across Wisconsin, which is actually next weekend. One of the um, best promoters in the country. Absolutely, I agree one hundred percent. And, and uh, it's just, it's sad that they won't be continuing to do the Arkansas list tour, but uh, you know they'll still have a hand in it. And Madison is one of the best run facilities out there in the country, and that's who he does. You know, he, that's what he you know has, and uh, him and his wife do an amazing job. That's the reason why they win awards every year. Um, but he actually asked Tom Curley uh, permission to use a similar format. I don't know how he got wind of it, but. Um, so, you know, my biggest areas have been, you know, Wisconsin, New England. Um, New England, obviously, is where I'm from. And Wisconsin, because I just, I lived in Michigan for a little while, and I knew that scene was so amazing. And I drove around out there and met a lot of great people and some of the best races in the country. And uh, basically, you know, it turned into one of those things where, um, you know, um, I learned about the history of it and, learn about that race. So basically what they do, they do it a little bit differently. It's 33, 33, 33 versus the 50, 50, 50. And they do a dice roll plus 10 versus, you know, just a verb for the fields. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And in the last race, they do it based on your point standings versus where you finish in the last race. So that's the only variance that, but it's the same thing. You got to go, you got to qualify well and you got to go. And I've lost that race, you know, twice for two different reasons. One, because it qualified bad. The other one, because it blew a rear end with 11 to go, had to win in the bag. And it was like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, but, but still hold that, hold that, you know, the segment win and every single three trip, the triple feature race in the country. The only one I think that's ever done it. Um, I know because Marshall just started this last year and we won that one. So, Still don't have the 99. I want to get that one at some point. If they win, I can't go to best this year, but if they win it this year, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> I love it, but I'll be pissed. I'll be like, God, you picked this year to not have that luck, really? <laughs> so, yeah. All right, man. And, you know, while we were doing the show, you were checking your phone for updates at Talladega because that's your day job. You're working for mm-hmm. Junior Motorsports, and you right. guys are just absolutely killing it in the yep. Xfinity Series this year. Yeah, and almost won it last this weekend. By three feet, we lost it. And that was a bummer because it was Sam Mayer, and he's trying to get his first. And those guys that work on his car deserve it. And um, it sucked, but. At the same time, still bringing home a little bit of money because we finished the top three, so I'm not going to complain too much. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, but, yeah. yeah, man. Uh, I know that you got a plane to catch here in a couple of minutes, and uh, thank you for doing this from the airport. What a mess. Oh, not a problem, bud. Uh, yeah. But listen, racers, if you want to go faster, this is your guy. Um, Eric Monaco, Monaco Racing. He's on Facebook. He's on Instagram. He's all over social media. If you can't find him, get a hold of us. And we'll put you in touch with them. Uh, right. It's been a lot of fun to, to get to know you. And, uh, I, you know, I met you last year when you were with Nick and won the milk bowl. And, right. Um, yeah, with the helmet. Thought, yeah. Yeah. That, we had the Gary Mullen helmet. Yeah. And then Al was hanging out. He had a beard then and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. 
<laughs> I, I will say this just for everyone that's listening. Um, it's, you know, right now I'm looking to work within everyone's budget and I'd like to have that long-term deal next year. I'd like to focus on one program next year and try to build them up because it's obviously hard. It's not the secret sauce. You're not going to get it one day. And, um, you know, basically I'm looking at like the highest bidder for next year kind of thing. You know, I'm basically going to sit back once this year is over and say, okay, who's interested? And, you know, look at the best opportunity. It's not just like, you know, the highest bidder. It's like the best opportunity to help you. I know it'll benefit you. I know it's a good fit. And on top of that, I think, you know, you'll get much, a lot. You get the best bang for your buck. I mean, I, I know it's expensive for everybody. So, you know, you know, um, it, it, that's the main goal. It's a long-term deal. It's a long run. This, you know, this program isn't something that's going to be like, okay, I expect it to be in five years. Like, you know, it's own thing. And, um, but you know, we'll see how it goes. And um, I appreciate you guys having me on. I really do appreciate it. And um, I want to give back as much as I can to local racing tours everywhere. And that's why I'm trying to do it. Yeah. Speaking of bang oh. for your buck, thank yeah. you for uh, for hopping on board yeah. for our live show, making that possible for us. And hopefully, we over delivered for you. That's that's the hope <laughs> when we go. No, in. I appreciate. I appreciate. No, it's not every day you get to see Robbie Cruz. You know give you some shit on a freaking live show. You know? <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yeah, that's funny. pretty I cool. That. that was funny. <laughs> yeah. I hope you did give him your card. Oh, yeah. I know. He, never, he left. <laughs> he did. So he disappeared. Nobody cool. knows where he yeah. went or if he's still know, with right? us. But. You know, he still can find a way. He's still fast, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Awesome. Uh, good luck getting home, and thanks for thanks it. for helping us out. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. I love your show. So, All right. you know, we'll see how it goes <laughs> from <Yeah>. here. <laughs> To Uncommon Deeds Live. Hey, <laughs> you guys got to make noise when we say stuff. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> All right. Much better. Makes it feel like the effort was worth it. Yeah. <laughs> we were set up and ready to go for 530, and then uh, we realized there's a band, and they need space too. So we apologize for the delay, but we promise it'll be worth it. Hmm. That's Tom Corbett. This is Al Maynard, and I'm Justin. And uh, thank you guys for your support of the show for the last year and a half and for showing up today. Justin, I feel like you should start bringing some people in already. I feel like we should. We're gonna uh, we're gonna have a busy schedule, and we do have an actual schedule we're gonna try and follow. Um, but first, we we've got some people that are making this show possible today, and we want to bring him in and say thank you to him. And first up, he's recording us over there. But Eric Eric Monaco, come on over, and Bob Bianchi from uh, the New England Racing Museum at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Uh, thank you guys. Come on, sit down. And also, Alan Ward, come on over if you would, please. So. Eric, uh, Eric Monaco here is, uh, what are you, crew chief, or what's the title that you're working with today? It's sort of a consultant, but like a crew chief type of position. Um, basically, you know, it's me sort of like the decision maker, but at the same time, you know, it's not like what I say goes, it's more like, okay, I'm going to throw this idea out, give me your feedback, and all that kind of stuff, I take all the information in, and basically I make my own assessments. It's basically crew chief, but it's like community, I don't, I don't try to go into this is how you need to do it. It's like, okay, this is what I think. If yeah. you're at point A, you want to get the point B out of it. Right on. And you are for hire, right? Oh, yeah. That's oh, what we're doing here. Basically, I'm for hire. Um, 
I'm basically much better. It, I'm not at that point yet. I've just started. Obviously, 2021 was the first time I ever started. And um, still good. I'm at the point right now where, you know, I'm still working with people's budgets. You know, I understand it's an expensive business and, and, and you know, an expensive hobby. So right now, it's, I'm thinking long run in finding programs to build on and be able to help them. You know, whether it's low end, it's like we just want to get to a mid-pack or be competitive or get to that middle ground where it's like we want to be top 10. We want to be top 10. We're top 10. We want to be top 5. And then we be top 5. So we just need that little agreement. Realistically, that's what the Sands, to give the example, Eric Sands needed was just that little bit of, you know, they, they're plenty fast enough on their own. It's just, you know, what need a different viewpoint. And you guys got in on time for the milk Oh, ball. yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to start 20th, but we've got in on time. We from our 11th place starting spot or our qualifying spot and um, just and, outside lane and top five last week at White Mountain until the wreck so yeah, exactly yeah, yeah right. exactly <laughs> and then, yeah and then I was, I was I was working with Bobby Theron on the super and we were we were top 15 we ended up surviving and got nine so that's yeah. pretty good too yeah. so well, Eric, we want to thank you. Apologize for the audio yeah, trouble here, but thanks for supporting us. Uh, wow. it's, it's been a pleasure to work with you and get to know you better. And uh, thank Thanks you for coming on. Thank so, you very much. Eric Monaco, thank you, Eric. Yeah. if you want to go faster, he's your guy. Tom, you sweating over there? Okay. Uh, Bob Bianchi from the, the newly renamed New England Racing Museum at the New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me tonight. Uh, uh, Bob yeah, is the... Disregard the hat. Just look at the, the shirt. The yeah. shirt is what's correct, yeah. yeah. Uh, Bob is one of the vice presidents of uh, the museum. One of? It seems like well, there's several of them. Actually, uh, as of last month, I was elected president. Were you? Um, Dick Bergeron has... I like to say he's retired, not resigned. He says resigned. I say retired. Uh, Dick has put a lot of heart and soul into that and uh, just felt he needed to cut back a little bit and... Just, just take it easy a little bit. That's really hard for him to do. I've been yeah. working with him pretty hard to try to let him to, to pull back a little bit. Right. Uh, the reason why we have you here, not just to talk about how cool the museum is in general, but you've got an event coming up uh, in November with one of our guests tonight. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. We have the annual Legends event at the... New England Racing Museum. You've got to get used to saying that. I, I, I'm trying really hard. I, I do a weekly radio show and screw it up just about yeah. three or four times a show. Yeah. Uh, Russ Conway, that a lot of you probably know, is a, a very popular promoter in this area. Russ came up with an idea that you go to arenas and stadiums and you see banners hanging in the rafters. And he says, well, why don't we do that for racing? So we've honored a lot of racers from different genres. And this year, it's the Bush Grand National North yeah. Division or the Bush North Division. And we're going to be honoring Brad Layton, Dave Dion, Kelly Moore, and the Dragon Brothers. Where, where they disappear? Bob's around. There he is. Bob's yeah. over there. Uh, and this is going to be host by somebody by the name of Dave Moody. I, I, I the name rings Familiar? I don't know. Never heard of Dick Bergen will be there. So if uh, you get Moody and Dion together, uh, they spent two hours on the radio with us when they were supposed to spend ten minutes, so you know it's going to be a good time. Right, yeah. It, uh, November 13th. So go on the website, New England Racing Museum. So nrmuseum.com. Click on the event, and you can order your tickets there. They are going fast. We only have a capacity of 150 people. It's $50 for members, $55 for non-members. Uh, it, it's really going to be a fun time. Yeah. 
Uh, you guys, how long has the museum been open? We opened our doors in 2017, the summer of 2017. Uh, we were able to stay open during the pandemic because New Hampshire was able to allow businesses to operate for the most part. Uh, we're open during summer from a little bit before Memorial Day to Columbus Day on Sundays and sa- uh, Saturdays and Sundays, 10 to 4. And after that, during the winter... We really haven't decided this winter, depending on our traffic during the winter, but it's pretty much always 10 to 4. Uh, Saturdays, uh, last year we did every Saturday, uh, and it, it a lot depends on how many people are coming, and we really haven't de- decided what we're going to do this winter. Uh, at the very least, we'll at least be open one or two days, uh, one or two Saturdays during the month. Well, uh, thank you for joining us. I'm looking forward to that event. Um, I've been working with Tom Nettishin, uh who's the executive director, um, and kind of putting some of the stuff together and um, looking forward to future Legends events, too, so Robbie doesn't feel left out. Um, but we'll get there, Rob. We'll get there. Bob Bianchi from the New England Racing Museum at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Thank you. <laughs> and finally, our guest of honor, Mr. Alan Ward. Uh, Al, Al runs the photo uh, booth and the, well, he's not a one-man show by any means, but uh, one of the best photographers in the Northeast, and uh, 90% of the images that we use on our show are from him, free of charge. We thank you so much for your support, and we just wanted to say thank you to you. Oh, you're welcome. Now, they're not all mine. No, I know. There are a lot of them are your brother's. That's right. Well, plus, I think I've got seven different photographers on there as well that they've either given me the rights to or... Or I bought years ago. Well, and when I say that they're yours, I mean they're from your website, yes. BigLsPhotos.SmugMug.com, yep. and it's the best place on the internet. I don't know yeah. about that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Give us a little history about you. Well, I've been going to the races since I was in a stroller. And my mother told me that there's no way I remembered it, but... Uh, I told her where it was and what it was and so on and so forth. You know, I was like three years old or something like that. And where was it? Where was it and what was it? It was a go-kart track, little-known go-kart track that didn't exist for very long in Stull, of all places. Really? It would be out behind what is now Shaw's. No kidding. Yeah. Huh. I think I remember it because at that point, uh, my father was selling McCulloch chainsaws, and they were the hot ticket for the motor on the go-karts. I love it. Man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not, not the same now. Uh, when did you first start coming here to Thunder Road? Probably about the same time. Yeah. Oh, I, I remember it in the, you know, in the early mid-60s with Harold Hannaford and Ronnie Marvin and all those guys. Really? Yep. So the Corliss paint scheme kind of pulls at your heartstrings a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. Then. I yeah. saw that and I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Just like last year when he did the Hank Montana one. Yes, absolutely. Um, Tell us more about why you do that. I mean, you're at four racetracks a week most of the time. Like, Mm. I stopped doing it, and I'm half your age. (laughs) Like, I can't (laughs) keep up with that. Well, I don't know. It's just something I've always loved. And then I started getting into the uh, old stuff. And a lot of times, especially with negatives, people don't understand what their worth is. And... You know, bless my wife. She lets me do this and collect all this stuff, and you wouldn't believe if I told you that 
I don't think I'm stretching it. There, there's probably at least 500,000 negatives that I have not yet scanned. Are you at a million yet on the website? Awful, awful close yeah. if, it, if it's not over. Unbelievable. I don't really look at those numbers. I just do it. And I got to thank my brother Andy, too, because lately he's been doing a, a lot of the scanning. You know, like right now, I think we got over 2,000 images waiting to be uploaded that he scanned over the summer. Of course, the summer, I'm too busy going racing to scan. Yeah, you're yeah, you're doing the the current stuff. Yep. Yeah. And I want to thank Andy for the red mead crew shirt by the way. This is pretty on point, yeah. I want to thank all three of you guys. Um the show wouldn't have happened without you. Uh and just thanks for what you guys are doing for the racing community in general. Um Eric Monaco, Bob Bianchi, Alan Ward. Thanks guys. Thank you guys. All right. So at this point, let's bring up our first two guests of honor here. Uh, the 1972 champion of the Vermont Milk Bowl and a four-time champion of the Vermont Milk Bowl, Bobby Dragon from Milton, Vermont, and the Tampa Tornado, Robbie Crouch. Come on up, guys. All right. Bobby, uh, well, both of you guys have been on the show, so we don't have to go through the whole career yet, you know, again, but uh, the Milk Bowl... Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> the Milk Bowl, specifically, is why we're here, right? So, in 1972, what does the Milk Bowl look like for you? We, we kind of basically transitioned transition from, you know, racing at Catamount to coming to Thunder Road a little bit, uh, you know, in the, in the 68, 69, 70 time frame or so on, but 72 was certainly our, our big year as far as getting uh, the old NASCAR North Series, uh, getting back to racing late models. We'd have been running modifieds for uh, the, the previous year and, and ran uh, Devil's Bowl on the dirt uh, previous uh, previous to that. So 72 really was our, our first year back with uh, with a, a southern bot chassis, and the, and that was certainly the you know the big uh, the, the big advantage we we had I, I guess at that point in time. Uh, Hector Leclerc had had purchased one a Bobby Allison chassis uh, uh, previous the previous year, and and they they'd had some luck with it. We decided to uh, do the same thing, and there was five of us guys that. Uh, Got together and put in a few bucks and uh, and got a loan actually from a bank in Milton to uh, you know to to buy the chassis and go ahead and go ahead and uh, finish up the car. Went down to Hueytown, uh, pulled in down there, and uh, uh, Bobby was racing for Junior at that point in time, uh, driving the the, the Chevy uh, Coke uh, Monte Carlo, and uh, he was racing that weekend up in Rockingham. So we. Uh, we uh, spent the uh, better part of a day helping them get it finished up and loaded it into a, a trailer that we, uh, you know, brought along with us, a U-Haul behind my car and pushed it in. It was a rolling chassis, uh, no roll cage or anything on it. It was just a chassis with the suspension parts and brought it home and uh, and took off from there. Basically, we built a, built a roll cage for it, put a 64 Chevelle body on it, uh, like everybody was pretty much using at that time frame. And, uh, and uh, you know, I was, a, I was the lucky one. I had Frankie Woodard, John Kiefer, 
Bob Clark, Gary Duranlo, uh, that was the five of us guys that owned, owned the thing at that point in time. And certainly Frankie and John were, were the guys that, that made, it, made it really work. And, uh, and so coming to the, like you say, coming to the Milk Bowl, which was a season-ending race, we had, we had won a bunch. We started off early, early in the season and, uh, and uh, on, a, on a good note and uh, kept in touch with Bobby regarding uh, ch any changes that my guys thought needed maybe to be done on it. And Bobby said, geez, it makes sense to me. Uh, try it and see how it works. Let me know, you know, and so on. And so uh, we made some changes to it. And uh, we went on from there to, to win a bunch of races that summer. And, of course, the, the Milk Bowl was, uh, you know, the finale of the, of the season for us here at Thunder Road. And uh, uh, in comparing to what was going on then versus now, uh, certainly the competition you're seeing here now, I mean, so many cars that are so good uh, and so close. I mean, you're talking thousands of a second per lap, uh, and uh, it's uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't that way. I mean, back 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 in the early days, and Robbie can attest to it. Uh, 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 the Milk Bowl winner quite often was, would go out of here with five or six points. You know, uh, you know, simply because uh, you know. I remember Larry Demar winning, winning all three segments uh, in in one of our go arounds earlier, previous to you know coming here, and we never, you know, never were quite that good, but uh, we did we did fairly well over the years with it. So, would you say there's strategy, or is it just go crazy and do everything you can? Because, like you said, now that everybody's so tight together on time. Do you, do you have a strategy when you're in the 72 milk bowl? Do you just kind of go for it? What's it, what's it look like? What are the conversations you have? I never really probably was, was a, what, what I would call a good Thunder Road driver. I mean, I, 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 I probably overdrove every, every lap that I ever turned here. You know, I, I compare what the way I raced here versus what Scott is doing now, you know, and he hardly he hardly touches the brakes out there. I you know I was charging into the corners as deep as I could and standing on the brakes and trying to get turned and and come off as fast as you could. And uh, it's a momentum track and no question about it. But that's uh, that's the competition that's out there now. I mean it's certainly second to none as far as I'm concerned. 1972, you're winning the milk bowl. Robbie is a rookie, right? I don't think I was. I, I think I went back to Florida before they ran the, the yeah. milk bowl that year, possibly. Um, had you had enough, or what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I, hey, I honestly don't remember running the milk bowl that year, but um, if I did, I probably finished last. So, <laughs> But i got to say something about Bobby. Um, you know, he might have had a half a second on the field. It, the milk bowl, if they started, you know, you by time trials, it may have been the only race that year that he started a higher right. than 10th yeah. because he was winning every race almost. I mean, what, 25 that year or something like that? <clears throat> Starting in the very back of the pack. I mean, that was handicap, you know, like you read about back then. When you said 25 wins, a lot of people were like, what? we don't even race 25 times in a year. He's just... <laughs> <laughs> man, I wouldn't call Bobby Dragon my hero, but, man, he was my idol. I mean, if you could win like that and start in the back every week, 
Because I tell you, I grew up, I mean, at my track in, uh, in Tampa, it was so hard to pass. And guys would, like, work the handicap. They'd stay home or they'd come to the track for two or three weeks, load their car on the trailer, not even race, just so they could come back to start on the pole, you know, and, uh, and, and grab a win. And, uh, you know, and, and Bobby was, you know, starting 15th, 16th every week and, and uh, just dusting everybody. It was fantastic. Keeping the car on the trailer kind of sounds like my career. <laughs> stroke for a little while and get a trophy. <laughs> so how did your indoctrination go to racing up here as a kid? Um, and then whenever your first milk bowl was, what were your impressions of it? You know, I, I can't really say we, um, as far as the milk bowl, I mean, I, I really believe it's the greatest concept, you know. I mean, it's really the greatest race. You know, they kind of give the fastest car the first segment, but, man, you better you better get through that second segment because if you don't, you know, you, it, you're gonna, it's so hard to get through that second se- segment without uh, getting in some trouble. It's just a great concept. I mean, it's one of the few really great things that Ken Squire has ever done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what a bum that guy is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he's been working on NASCAR for the last 40 years, trying to get them to just run one race with, the, you know, with that uh, uh, format. But, uh, of course, they, you know... They keep moving in that direction, and now they're running the you know stages, which is great. But uh, they'll never just come full circle and go, okay, you're starting in the back because you won the last segment. No, they'll never do that. But uh, you know, wouldn't that be great? A couple all star races, I think, and they tried doing a little bit, but I don't think they ever wanted to go all the way and say, yes, this is Ken Squire's idea. I don't know why. Yeah, kind of bugs me a little bit. Bobby. Did you ever have, like, that kind of, oh, shit moment in segment two, like everybody seems to have? Not so much segment two, segment three. I can remember uh, one of those moments when uh, we, we, had, we had it in the bag. I mean, I, I think I might have won one of the first two segments and probably finished second or third in, in, in the other segment, and we were going in with a real low number into the third segment, and it was, it was going to be a matter of basically uh, – just finishing the race, uh, you know, with all four wheels on the car and something. And uh, we were off to a great start, or I was off to a good start, uh, you know, halfway through uh, the third segment. And uh, coming off from turn two, uh, Gardner Levitt, man, it wasn't his fault. But anyway, Gardner, Gardner came off turn two ahead of me. He was, um, I, it was a lap car at that point in time, and he needed to get to the pits. And uh, he, uh, he swung out off from turn two from the low lane up to the high side where the wall is now, basically on the high side. And uh, I was coming up on him at a point, and I, and I didn't know, I really just wasn't 
on top of things enough to know exactly what what he was doing, and I ran flat into the back end of him. I mean, it, it took us out, took me out of the race, finished finished uh, his day as well. But uh, it was just a matter of uh, finishing the segment, and uh, and it was gone. You know, so uh, things like that can happen. I mean, uh, it's so it's so easy to you know to to make a mistake, and and it was my mistake certainly, but. Uh, it was gone in a gone in a flash, and that was one of the moments you're you're referring to for sure. Now your, your dog's named Gardner, isn't it? Robbie. Robbie, <laughs> you forgot? Like, yeah. So your Ashley's dog. You guys have a dog named Gardner. That's where the name came from. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I, and I and I should go back. I said it's the one good thing that Ken Squire did. Actually, he did two good things, and Ashley's the other. <laughs> <laughs> How long is it going to take you, Bailey? Yeah. Speaking of doghouse. So, yeah, so uh, when Ashley and I decided to get married, I can buy you a ring or I can buy you a golden retriever. She goes, I'll take the golden retriever. <laughs> so uh, it was great because... Uh, or, or Warren Hamilton, I'm sorry, and his wife were breeding golden retrievers. And, of course, Warren was on Gardner's pit crew for so many years and, you know, and did my lettering you know, on my car countless times over the years. And, and uh, so they were breeding, and I called him up, and I said, well, if you guys have, or a couple years before, and I said, I'm not quite ready, but I am going to be ready for a golden retriever. Um, so keep me in mind. He called at me or whatever. I don't know what it, what it was. but <laughs> So Ashley and I, and she doesn't have a wedding ring, and that's the God's honest truth. <laughs> well, I started to get yeah. you know, my drawer was kind of full. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't need any more. <laughs> well, that's it for the show, folks. Thank you. <laughs> Oh my God! So we have Gardner, which yeah, I, we have, you have to admit it's probably the best thing we ever decided to do. So dog and then marriage, just to be clear. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, Christ, uh, <laughs> Robbie, you've won four of these races, and you've done it by winning one segment, two segments, three segments, and zero segments. Do you? have different strategies to do that or is it just dumb luck <laughs> no and I mean that seriously no, are I you... chose not to win a segment the year well, you know no but there are times where you can't make a move right like you have to conserve a tiny bit in this race in order to save or plan for five laps ahead or whatever or you just go all the time and, and if you win you win well, every year's different, obviously, and uh, you know the the year that I didn't win any segments, it was probably the toughest year because you know I just had to grind out every single position I could get, and uh, you know I don't think I had any idea that I was going to end up with the winner. My car just wasn't that great, um, but uh, you know because of the format, because I got some breaks. And to be honest with you, I don't remember winning that race. 
The only one, somebody said, do you remember 1986? I go, hell yeah, I remember 86. I don't remember any of the rest of them, but I, but 86 is pretty easy. I mean, you know, I had the best car, fastest car. Everything, you know, fell into place for me. And, uh, you know, I, I would say that, that was, you know, that was pretty easy that year. That's, of course, the, the last perfect score in the Milk Bowl. Right. We'll get to Brian's story about that later. But uh, so it's been 30, what years, 36 years since that's been done. Do you think it could ever happen again? Are we, it's sort of trending into the single digits. Do you guys think that it's something that could happen tomorrow? I, I would say no. I, you know, I, I don't believe that uh, you're going you're gonna to see a perfect score with the, with the kind of competition and, and that we're seeing out there now. I, I, I don't see any way. Maybe Robbie thinks differently. But Well, um, I think that Nick had the best chance last year, you know, because he was really great next week. So. Um, yeah. You know that <laughs> Eric. <laughs> Eric Monaco is shaking his head. Oh, by the way, yes. I know yeah. the one thing I've been missing this year on my race car is an engineer. <laughs> Eric. <laughs> so I think Nick had a shot at it last year, but uh, I don't see it happening this year. I mean, Jimmy Hebert was pretty impressive today, and Joey Pole was pretty impressive, but. I don't think we saw anything that that uh, uh, gravel gravel had for. I mean, he yeah. he rode until the 25th lap and then pulled off, and uh, so I, you know, he, he could be an unknown for sure. He's always fast uh, in this race, but uh, uh, yeah, but uh, I agree with uh, with your assessment on uh, on the 58 car. He 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 looked impressive. Yeah. It's hard to be perfect, right? I mean, and things happen. Um, I think, you know, I was looking at early practice today, and I didn't go through it uh, after that, but I think there was 33 or 4 cars that were running. And I'm going to say that Nick Sweet or somebody like that was the fastest with a 13-3-8. And the slowest was Blair Bissett with the 13 Seven eight. Yeah, I was going to say he was up around you know around an eight, which so, is a, which is a good summertime I don't, time for sure. You know, I don't see in fifty laps how you can really get to the front. Yeah. You know, yep. yeah. Yeah. obviously the first segment is. But Nick Nick was out there with two cars this morning. I think I had it on uh, race monitor, and uh, I think he was he was either first or second in the eighty eight, and he was fourth in the forty car. Uh, at that point in time, uh, you know, so Nick is certainly, uh, you know, if they make some adjustments tonight, he could certainly be right in there tomorrow. There's and who's going to ride off Caden Fisher? I well, mean, I was going to say yeah. the, the 18 car is pretty good. There's also a guy back there drinking Bud Light that I think is going to have a shot at this. The king of the road, Chris Pelkey, is here. And uh, oh, congratulations man. on the poll and, and the win earlier. And good luck tomorrow. Oh, congratulations on the whole year. He was, you know, phenomenal this year. It didn't even narrow it down. You said there's a driver back there drinking a Bud Light. Yeah. <laughs> that was like, and, and everybody looked around like, which one of the fifteen guys? Is it? like, yeah, it's me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all through the seventies, I thought I drove better on a hangover, but yeah, <laughs> I don't believe that now. 
uh, I want to go back again to 86, the perfect score. Bobby, were you in that race? Uh, 86, maybe. No, I, I don't remember. It was the year before NASCAR came back. Right. When when Tom yeah, had split yeah. on his own, we, we were we were running some races down south uh, that that summer off and on, and uh, uh, I don't I don't really remember if we, if I was in it or not. Be truthful with you. Then then let's go back to the previous best score in '75 with Dave Dion. I know you were in that race. Yeah, it probably was. No, I don't remember. I don't does remember it, it. But <laughs> does it uh, that? I mean, that was a year that. It was really right at the height of the Dragon versus Dion rivalry, right? Yeah, it, I guess so. I guess does it piss you it. off when a guy can win three segments? Well, I, I went through that earlier on chasing Larry DeMar. I mean, Larry DeMar won all three segments back in the, I, I guess it would have been uh, you know, late 60s probably, something like that. And uh, uh, that uh, that really woke, woke me up as far as you know, I'm going to, you know, got to do better than what we're doing here right now if we're going to compete with him and that's basically that's at the point in time that uh, um, we we got together with with john and frankie and and all the guys and and certainly uh, uh that that helped us out i mean it, back in those days we were running stock junkyard v8 uh chevy v8s larry was running a ford and that 312 ford was was beating our little 283 pretty bad quite often, especially at Catamount. But uh, he had a handling issue, or, uh, you know, package that was that was really good for here, and uh, and he was he was making it look easy. So, but uh, you know, as far as uh, as far as the perfect score at a later point uh, when Robbie did it or when Dave, when Dave did it, uh, I I can't really I can't really say I truthfully remember, but uh, the the Dragon Dion thing uh, back in those days was, was you know, I, I guess looked at as a rivalry. Uh, Dave and I got along great and, and so on. And uh, we, we kind of joked about our time at, at both Catamount and, and Thunder Road. And he, he was the guy to, to beat at Thunder Road without question at that point in time. And, and um, you know, we were, we were probably outdoing him at, at at Catamount, and uh, uh, one, I, and I don't remember the exact year it was, but uh, I ended up, I ended up winning the Thunder Road Championship, and he ended up winning the Catamount cha- Championship. So we got a, the opposite, we, the opposite yeah. right? And so we got a big, a big kick out of that, you know. But, uh, Your brother Beaver was on uh, a few shows ago, and said that you hated Junior Hanley. Yeah, and, <laughs> we know that's not true. Right? And <laughs> Does I, Beaver hate Junior Hanley? Is that the problem? No, no, no. no. For whatever reason, uh, uh, Beaver always, you know, well, Beaver certainly is more outgoing than I am. I'm, I'm more of an introvert, and I'm, I'm you know, the, the, the uh, these type of things here, you got to coax me to come to to something like this, and so on. Beaver, he would he would jump at the chance, you know, and so on. But uh, I, I listened to I've listened to a few of the podcasts, and when uh, when I heard Beaver make that statement, uh, it kind of bothered me because I, I'm a I'm say I'm a Junior Hanley fan. I raced against Junior probably total in my career maybe a half a dozen times. You know, San Air, we raced against each other once at Pocono uh, for a, kind of an open comp thing. He was in a Camaro. We had our little Pontiac uh, Ventura 
doctored up to try and get around the two and a half mile oval, but Jesus. Junior spanked us that day with that Camaro. But I, I've always been a Junior Hanley fan for whatever that he has been able to do, um, you know, on the ASA series and so on. I mean, you, when you're when you're competing and beating, uh, you know, Dick Trickle and and. Uh, well, Mark Martin and Rusty Wallace and and you know Alan Kowicki and the best of the best that we've ever seen uh, you know in the country, truthfully. And uh, so I've I've always been you know in awe of Junior's capabilities. And uh, so now Beaver's statement about me hating uh, hating Junior were is totally to- totally out of whack. I mean, yeah, I, I was I was good friends with Don Biederman. Don used to come to that's our where, shop. That's the problem. And that okay. was the problem because Don Don and, and Junior certainly had a, a hate relationship going between the two of them and in competing with one another. But uh, no, uh, that was that was totally wrong that I had a dislike for Junior because uh, I'd like, I'm, I'm glad we're clearing this up to a small group here at least that that just wasn't true. Now, Robbie, do you hate Junior because he kicked your butt for a while? <laughs> you know, that, I mean Junior was good, there's no question but I mean, I can show you quite a few races that he finished second to there me. There you go, now we're talking there we go. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, all right. Uh, you know, we were watching a race that uh, somebody posted. I think it was from Delaware Speedway, okay? And I, we're racing, and I got in some kind of pissing match with somebody, right? It's, it's, you know, it's, and they threw, put me to the back of the pack, and I go, well, let's turn this off because I know I didn't win this race. <laughs> you know, and so we kept watching, and Junior was in a, the race, and... Uh, you know, and I drove back by everybody and won the race. You know, and in victory lane, they're going, "Well, we're, uh, are you are you mad because you got put the back of back?" I go, "Damn right," <laughs> <laughs> because really, I had nothing to do with the incident. I mean, you know, there's this guy's like starts running into me, and I'm like, I didn't do anything. All right, uh, before you guys go. Uh, I want to know your picks, and I, I'm going to make one right now, and I think the fourth Dragon family member might have a shot at this thing tomorrow. Scott's over there, and it's about damn time you win this thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Scott Dragon hasn't won it yet. No pressure. Yeah, <laughs> no pressure. But uh, if you can make uh, an unbiased pick that's maybe not Scott or maybe it is Scott, what do you think, Bobby? Uh, well, I'm not sure. We've seen uh, we've seen everybody really has shown us what they've got. Uh, uh, I, I knew I knew uh, uh, Patrick was going to be strong. I, I was over in White Mountain a few weeks ago for the for the race over there, and 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 and, and Patrick's been really off the mark the last few years here uh, for this race, and uh, you know. Uh, uh, at White Mountain the other night, he was he was really good, and uh, so I I said that he's going to show up at, at Thunder Road with with a car that's you know capable of probably winning, and and he you know he, he struggled to some degree out there today, but uh, I certainly wouldn't count him out. I'm not picking him. Uh, I, I my own uh, unknown right at this point. I'll say like Robbie said uh, uh, that. 
I think I think Jimmy Heber in the 58 car. I, I'm not sure that we saw everything that he's he's capable of doing. So I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with him. I, I don't know. Robbie. Well, I'm not picking Scott Dragon, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> because the year that I really thought he was going to win it. Okay, I totally jinxed him because I picked him. So I'm going to say I'm not going in that direction. Uh, what I wouldn't do ever again is bet against a DJ Shaw. Uh, so I guess I'll make him my pick. But I'm not telling you who I really want to win the race. <laughs> this, is, this is bad juju here. <laughs> All right, well, we've got go-karts going for a minute here but we've got our, our other two guests are coming up and you guys stick around because we're going to get all four of you in a fist fight after so uh for now the 1972 champion bobby dragon 83 86 88 and 90 champion robbie crouch let's give it up for him folks Let's take a break from our podcast to tell you about the people that help us bring this show to you for free every single week. Now, the chances are pretty good that if you're listening to the show, you love to play outdoors. If you're going to be on the trails, on the water, in the dirt, or in the snow, the first place to go is LaCares Power Sports in East Montpelier. LaCares is the area's only authorized Polaris dealer. And they have brand new industry-leading Polaris ATVs, side-by-sides, and snowmobiles in stock and ready for you, plus a great selection of pre-owned equipment. If you're getting ready for winter, there's still a handful of 2023 Polaris sleds available. But don't wait, because they'll go fast. Plus, check out LeCare's full line of parts and accessories, riding gear like helmets, boots, gloves, jackets, and more, or make an appointment with the skilled professionals in their full service and repair department. And by the way, it's not too early to start thinking about next summer with a 2023 Pinecraft pontoon boat, a Mercury outboard motor, a Hewitt dock, or a Polaris Razor sports side-by-side. How about a Polaris Ranger UTV or a Polaris Sportsman ATV? Now you know all about the LeCare family's racing history and you know they don't settle for anything less than perfection. The same is true about their other passion, LaCare's Power Sports. In fact, they've been at it for 61 years. Check out their virtual showroom, catalog, and services online at LaCare's.com. Find LaCare's Power Sports on Facebook or give them a call, 802-476-8199. LaCare's Power Sports, Route 14 in East Montpelier, Vermont. If you've got a home project going on, your first stop should be Barry Tile and Morrison Clark Incorporated. From flooring to kitchens, from bathrooms to outdoor projects, from your home to your business, they are number one in central Vermont. As you've heard on this show, Justin and I are officially middle-aged super dads now. And one of our favorite hobbies is looking at the Barry Tile Facebook page to see their latest projects. I love the carpeting and hardwood flooring, and he loves the kitchen countertops and shower installations. And it's true. Barry Tile has been family owned for 50 years and their experience shows in every single job. It's high quality work by highly qualified people who can design and install everything you need to upgrade your home or office. It's not a big chain store. It's local people with common sense and a ton of skill. Be like us and check out the Barry Tile Facebook page to see some examples of their incredible work. 
or you can give them a call at 802-476-0912. You can also stop into the showroom at 889 South Barry Road in Barry, Vermont, and tell them that the guys from Uncommon Deeds sent you. It's almost here. Winter is coming, and at least one New England snowstorm is going to knock your power out. When that happens and you're in the dark, you'll be wishing that you had called Bushy's Generator Sales and Service. So don't wait. Bushy's has been recognized as the number one dealer of Briggs & Stratton home standby generators in the state of Vermont, and they're also a leading dealer of Kohler generators. From sales and installation to service and maintenance on all makes and models of generators from 10 kilowatts to 200, Bushy's is the only call you need to make. And hey, racers, you know how important it is to have small portable generators at the track, and Bushy's has you covered there too. After all, they're racers too, and they know what you're looking for. Check out their selection of Briggs & Stratton inverters and have the power where you need it when you need it. Wayne and Ben Bushy have more than a decade's experience in this business and Bushy's generator sales and service covers all of Vermont and Hampshire as well as Massachusetts, Connecticut, and New York. Give them a call at 802-591-1903 or visit their Facebook page or bushysgenerator.com. Bushy's generator sales and service of Springfield and Brookfield, Vermont. We keep your power on. And now back to our show. And now, I guess, it's time to bring in sort of the modern heroes. The 1998-99 and 2011 Milk Bowl champion, Brian Hoare, and the defending champion, as well as 13, 15, and 16, Nick Sweet, driver of the 40-88. Uh, welcome to Uncommon Deeds, both of you once again. There's a half-hour time limit, Brian, so... Yeah, there you go. Are your kids out there racing right now, Nick? No. Yeah. Uh, Dad of the year. I'm still working on the race car after this year, so going back there after. So they're here. I introduced them. You can make some noise for them if you want. There you go. <laughs> Nick, hold on for a minute. we got plenty to talk about with you. <laughs> Brian, you got two kids finishing second today. Third. Well, second, it's so. close enough. We're going to say second. Never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Hey, yeah. right. Are you proud or are you a nervous damn wreck? No, I'm proud. I'm, I'm proud. I mean, it was a, it was an awesome day. I mean, to have two cars, two divisions like that, and have really good finishes, and, and uh, one of them came out a little more unscathed than the other, but, uh, yeah, it's awesome. I'll be a nervous wreck tomorrow. Yeah, you get to watch those kids both come from the back in segment two. Um... I'm not going to make you choose, but do you think one's got a better shot than the other? Justin's had a hell of a year. Taylor has had a hell of a year. Not going there. Not going there. Not I, going well, there. no, dude. No, and I, I'm not saying because. I think Nick. I'm, oh, yeah, shit. yeah. I'm not saying because of the drivers. I'm saying because of the divisions and the competition level. It seems like I, you, you the street socks. There might be a little bit. It might be a little bit easier to get through traffic. There's no doubt. I mean, one of the things I. I uh, I've never raced a street stock in my life, and I've learned an amazing appreciation. Congratulations! Yeah, don't. I've learned an amazing appreciation for what they uh, what they're all doing out there. It's, it's an entirely different style of racing than anything I've done here or ever. You know, it's a momentum track, but I got to tell you, uh, it's been 
amazing and fun to watch because it's a little bit old school in the sense that right this minute the competition is so tough in the Tigers and the late models. There's a little diversity and in and, and, and the street stocks, there's cars that are coming from the back every week, which I think they're putting on a tremendous show, which is, which is really fun to watch. So I do think that it's going to be pretty exciting with uh, a lot of really fast cars coming from the back tomorrow. So you've never driven a street stock? That's, that's probably the biggest claim to fame that you should have because... Above there's, the yeah, there, there's there's yeah. a chance they're all oh, trying to convince me to climb in one of these cars. The problem is, I don't fit in those seats. Mm. <laughs> well, uh, so I'm working on it. Maybe by the end of next year or the year after, I'll fit in one. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've I've been to quite a few races this year and watching Taylor. I mean, just watch the development yeah. of a kid that you're trying to. You know, stay close to and help a lot, but you don't have that same experience at the same time. You know, you don't want to be too overbearing, and so how do how do you manage that? As you know, how do you manage that? That can't be easy. I I I probably am overbearing at times, um, but I try not to be. Uh, she's got to learn. You know, I mean, this is this. this there's, there's no shortcuts to this deal. Um, there's a lot of great racers in the street stocks and the tigers. And uh, the fact is, you've got to lose races to win races and learn how to win races. And uh, she's uh, figured out how to lose them. And every time, every time we talk about it, I film every single race. I do it partly like my mom used to film mine because I'm a nervous wreck watching a race. So it gives me something to do. Justin, I'm like, go, buddy. You know, I'm over there on Bud Hill. But uh, Taylor, I'm I'm filming every lap. Um, I, I, I... She's doing a great job and she's learning, but it's it's um, you know it's it's hard. It's, you've got to. I don't care who you are. You've got to go out there and you've got to learn the the way you win and lose races. And and uh, there's no no shortcuts to it. Another stat line that I think you can add to your resume. Over by the bathrooms there, they've got that thing for the crew chief award, and you're on it, man. That's amazing. <laughs> I got a picture. Today. I bet you do. I'm like, right, new, right, by the, right by the entrance of the, of the shitters is Brian Horr's name. Crew chief of the week. <laughs> Boy, they don't. I don't know who uh, put that up there, but <laughs> Nick, you look pretty tired. I'm good. Yeah, I got a coffee in hand. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt, and I might have missed earlier with Robbie and Bobby. Where in the hell did you guys get these shirts? Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ, uh, that thing looks like you're an official from 1980. That's what Al said. And Tom, uh, this is a this is a red meat shirt. I got All it from right. Andy, Andy and Al Ward yeah. uh, gave that to us. And Brett Dragon called me last week. He's moving. He looks he like said, an Applebee's waitress. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mackenzie Meats. Yeah, yeah. Close enough. Brent Dragon called me and said, I'm moving. Come get all my shit. So I did. And that's, there you go. That's, you Tom, that, that shirt suits Tom very well. That's a, that's a 1992 Beaver Dragon classic. There you go. It's got a good shape. <laughs> my God. So you've had a long weekend already. First, let's talk about that super modified last night. That was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And a little green I saw for the first time last night. Got in it. And it was fun. Hard to pass. Well, you got you got to see right in front of you the leader get absolutely demolished. I mean that car. Yes. Wow. So what? So you don't have to give us all the great details, but describe the speed difference with those cars they're running sub tens the leader was running sub tens it's insane right so i think everybody here is pretty old so they all had a vcr at one time so when you're a kid and you're pressing fast forward 
that's what it's like to drive those things. So, <laughs> so I, I awesome. like that. <laughs> Would you do it again? I mean, are you yeah. are you looking forward to another start in that thing or what? Yeah, I actually, that so the first practice out, that was the first time really sitting in the thing, and uh, you could tell I was pretty awful, and we got better and better as the night went on, and this place is extremely fast sensation and uh, really tight, and those cars are really wide with no mirrors and no spotters, so you kind of don't know where you're at out there, and the biggest thing I didn't want to do is mess up anybody that's a regular there, so we were just trying to get some laps in and get comfortable, and as the race went on, more and more I got more uncomfortable, and uh, then I got to watch the guy wreck the leader, and I was like, I don't want to be that guy. No. <laughs> so we just kind of rode out where we did, and did I it, do it again. Did it feel like Thunder Road in that uh, car? No, no, it did. And the one thing I can tell you that still comes to my mind, the whole race, and I'm not used to you smell whatever it is running on fuel because the motor is right here so you're inhaling it this morning i woke up and i'm like man i still can taste that with my coffee so it was uh i don't know i don't know if it made me smarter or what have you but it definitely didn't help my day today (laughs) (laughs) well it's it's good to hear that your taste is back well back with methanol yeah so yeah so maybe methanol helped the post-covid i think i'm gonna do that more often yeah (laughs) uh Milk Bowl. Let's talk Milk Bowl. You not only are tied with Robbie as the all-time Milk Bowl champion with four wins, you've actually got a couple more on him because you've also won in the street stock and the Tiger. So this is the six-time Milk Bowl winner here, folks. I just raced here. All you need is a warrior, and (laughs) you've got the whole thing. Yeah. 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 Um, Do you just love this race, or is it just something that happens and you happen to win it? No, I, re- I, re- I love this place. I grew up racing here. And this is one of my favorite racetracks, and it, it has changed throughout the years with asphalt and then fences. And, uh, it, it just keeps changing every time, So it, and it's really fast, um, and it's a hard race to win, especially this race, uh, more so this week. And our, our, uh, I'm sure we're going to get to it, but the weekend just keeps getting more and more trying. We went out and practiced this morning and had to swap cars, and then... Now we're trying to make the car that Eric was supposed to drive comfort for me and trying to get it faster and faster. So we'll see here we, how it goes. Yeah, brand new brand new motor went sky high, right? I don't know what really happened. We, uh, we still have not diagnosed it. So I don't want to say it's definitely a, an engine issue, a mechanical issue, but I don't really know. So we, uh, we went out in the first practice. It lost oil pressure. It was down to 10 on... Uh, Excel down the straightaway. I let off and went to zero. So we came in and pulled the drain plug on the oil pan. And for whatever reason, there's a lot of fuel in the oil pan. Like it was, uh, it took like 10 minutes. It looked like somebody was urinating out the pan. So it was, uh, we knew at that point it was probably terminal. So we put it in the trailer before we did any more damage. Eric was like jumping up and down, drive my car. I was like, get him the hell out of there. I was like, I'm ready to call it a week. And he's like, just drive it, man. I, I want to watch anyways. I'm like, All right. Here we are. And it didn't get any better. Well, you, you say it didn't get better, but I watched you guys. I was standing there when it all was going down, lucky enough to be there. The tape job yeah. the, to change a 40 yeah. into this an is, 88. This is a Robbie Crouch Dick Lines sort of situation. Whew. Yeah, yeah. There Tell was me more about how that there. went down. It was, you see that? I yeah. t- pulled out the Bob Ross, had the Van Dyke Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I watched that guy to make me go to sleep. You ever watch? You ever have sleep problems? Watch Bob Ross. 
Freaking he turned a 40 into an 88. Get it's that amazing. paint scraper out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's a win for you then for the weekend. That was the only win so far. Yeah. <laughs> We've had a pretty tough start, but there's always a new day tomorrow. Actually, we're going to probably make our residence here tonight because uh, we're rebuilding the race car currently. So after this, I get to go back and pound and coffee. Can't wait. Awesome. It's going to be fun. Jeez. <laughs> Oh, Brian Hoare. Uh, 1998, Milk Bowl champion. And then 1999, Milk Bowl champion. Which one was it that your dad robbed you of the three-point three score? Was it 98? It was the first one, right? I was counting on you to remember that. I think it was 98. Oh, so, I think it was 98, too. We're just going to call it 98. Brian Hoare is out there in the middle of total Brian Horness, Just killing everything. I mean... Winning races and championships at here at Airborne, ACT, the overall, whatever it was. It wasn't that year, but in that era. And your dad is out there, too, Doug, who was a hell of a wheelman, but had no brake pedal. None. Especially at Airborne. Four tires on the outside. Yep. He was great at Airborne, not great here. Right. But then you won the first segment, you won the second segment, and you're headed to a four-point finish. <laughs> I hate my dad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, I'm sitting here wa- listening to uh, Bobby and Robbie up here, and, and um, Bobby mentioned uh, John Kiefer and, and Frankie Woodward. And it's funny because, um, as many people know, Frankie Woodward is my uncle, and uh, his son, Neil, is a good friend of mine and was my crew chief for over 15 years. And so it's, it's fun to look at and think about the history when you think about how Frankie had uh, such an influence on, on your career and had such an influence many years later on mine. Um, and I certainly would point to Frankie and uh, Neil in 1998 because let's go back to then. Uh, Tom had said, you know what, tire softener, have at it, boys. Tom Curley. Yeah. Yeah. He said, have at it. We're going to allow tire softener. So everybody went crazy with tire softener. Frankie is an engineer and a very, very intelligent one. And to this day, he's got some secret sauce that uh, made it on my tires. And they were really, really good back then. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and I know everybody's just mortified in my saying this, but everybody, I mean, there was, everybody would pull out of their, behind their trailers and they would just leave tracks. <laughs> And Tom Curley would go down through just to see who the best was. He would take the durometer and go down the down the row of cars, and and I and I'll never forget him stopping at mine, and he's looking at it and looking at him, looking at him, and then he turns to my dad's car, and this is before the first segment, and he just looked at my dad and said, "You got screwed." <laughs> so as the story goes, uh, we had two cars side by side, and and uh, we we uh, we had an amazing car. And the car was great uh, all the way around, and we were very, very fast at the time. And um, I won both segments, so we go into the third segment, and, and uh, I remember my guys having some debate, and the next thing I know, my, my pole and first segment set of tires end up on my dad's car. I don't know who made that decision, but I hate them too. <laughs> the rest is history. But like, did- I know, I know Doug didn't have a brake pedal, but did, did he not have radios either? Like, they didn't tell him that you were coming? My best friend, Peter, if you're listening, was his spotter. 
I was like, oh, hell no, you're going to win this son of a bitch. Because if my dad had known that I'd made it to second place, he'd have made sure that I got a perfect score. He said that. He said that. I didn't know you were in second place. So, no, Peter Bear was spotting for him and a uh, really good friend. So does that mean Doug doesn't have a mirror either? Because there's pictures of you, you right know on he him. doesn't Come have on. a mirror. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I didn't experience that last night. Oh, my God. Which one of your three is your favorite one? Wasn't that one? Or maybe that's your least favorite. No, I, I, I think, you know, I was watching, uh, we got a little throwback scheme, scheme going with Justin uh, and the Flying Tiger, and, and uh, I found that 1999 video. And, you know, when I think back to 1999 and the season we had, uh, that was probably that was probably the one because not only, thank God for all you that are racing for points now, you don't have to race the milk bowl for the championship. But uh, back then we did. And we went into it, and, and uh, we were, I had a deficit going into the milk bowl. And, I, and, and for as much as I love to rent, run and win races, um, I was trying for the championship. And uh, so to come out of that thing and, and just barely uh, uh, nix Eric Williams and, and with a one-point uh, lead for the championship was, you know, that was just insane. Not only did I win the milk bowl, but I won the championship all in the same victory lane. So that was wild. And, and that one clinched the you hit for the cycle you won the airborne act thunder road and overall championships yeah that, that year and that day pretty pretty wild year yeah awesome my god so nick take us back to your first street stock milk bowl or maybe the second one because you won that one Aaron Maynard, because Aaron Maynard won your first street stock milk bowl. My That's kids right. I, how many of you kids here are at thunder road and love Aaron Maynard as your announcer I hear nothing. Okay. What, all right. Bob Young. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for those off camera that can't see, nobody clapped and then his dad finally started clapping. And then everybody's like, yeah, we can clap now. Yeah. So thanks, Bob. Right, well, anyway, Aaron was a terrible race car driver. And so was I. We were teammates. And we all kind of got to be friends with Nick. Aaron won his. Nick was the subject of the Rookies at the Road video. And I think you were second or did you had a flat and he won it, right? Isn't that what happened? Oh, you were that good. Okay, he's, anyway. he's the man. So, but then the next year, you you killed him, and you ruined that street stock division. You with your with your trick race car. It was just the, the most beautiful thing in the world. But like all of us kids, looking up to Brian Hoare, looking up to Robbie, looking up to Bobby, that was our milk bowl in those streets. Like that was our Daytona 500. Like it didn't it didn't get better. Or bigger than those two 20-lap se- or 15-lap segments, whatever the hell they gave us with 32 cars out there. And you got to win that. What did that feel like for you? I remember the Aaron Maynard one better than I remember the win. <laughs> it is really because of the video I watch on Rookies at the Road. You see his interview? It's priceless. I think you put... I don't know. He put, he put dents in the roof, slamming the roof with his bowl. So, pretty good. Uh, I don't remember the street stock. I can't even remember yesterday. You don't remember? <laughs> okay, do you remember the Tiger Mini Bowl? I mean, because that's also a very big deal. Yeah. Uh, no. I don't. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it all just kind of blends together. I'm really fortunate. Do you remember your first late model milk bowl <laughs> that you won? No. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. You're, you're worse a, than crap. I have a theory. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a coping skill of good race car drivers because I don't care how good you are, you lose way more races yeah. than you win. 
And the only freaking reason we come back every week, like a bunch of idiots that we are, is the good ones forget how bad it was last week. Am I wrong? Well, and the problem is every racer, including my, you're hearing my interview, I just remember the last thing that happened to me out here, and it was freaking awful. So mm. I, can't, I can't wait for tomorrow. I can't. <laughs> there you go. Great. It's a new day. <laughs> so it is an episode about um, the Milk Bowl. Do you have any memories period. I mean, because we could just go to the next segment, <laughs> but I'd hate that we missed out on something. So, okay, try again. So, of all the milk bowls then that you've won, like, is there one memory that really sticks out, or did the methanol from yesterday, like, ruin your brain completely? Just give us one memory you know, of a milk terrible. bowl that's a good one. It's terrible, like, kissing the cow is the memory. Kissing the cow. I love that. Yeah. yeah. So you've like got to do it a bunch of times. I know there's a few different ones out there, but yeah. and I think I know the one that is your favorite. But how the would you one the cow it? like was pissed off, like yeah. she was bucking, and I remember <laughs> grabbing on and holding on, and it still bucked. <laughs> so this this is uncommon D's, but we do have Al here from the Crunch Bunch podcast, and you are a crunch buncher. So I'm going to ask. Do you have a good wiener time story for us that you can share about Willie the Wiener Hennequin? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's 7 o'clock. This is like, I can remember this because this was in the last year. So wiener's coming down to buy parts at the shop. It's 7 o'clock. I'm not ready for wiener yet. And uh, he's down there sitting in his truck like a stalker at the shop. So you pull in and you're like, oh, shit, it's wiener. So you pull in, and I had these cinnamon buns, and they were really good. My wife had made them. Cinnamon buns? Yeah. And I'm like, you always offer food. So I get out the truck. I go in the shop. I'm like, Wiener, you want a cinnamon bun? Oh, sure. I'll take it. Okay. So he freaking eats my cinnamon buns before he buys my parts. <laughs> so just freaking Wiener. He's something else. <laughs> so to bring the story full circle... I'm guessing he was drinking Mountain Dew for breakfast, too. I guarantee to wash it down. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just checking. I hope he's out in the audience. No. He's probably not. <laughs> no. I think he killed his fourth Mustang in practice. So, like, we were trying oh, to keep Oh, I got track. another one. So, I Thunder and I were talking, and then we'll come <laughs> that back. That was making the brainwaves work. Yeah. yeah, good. So, Thunder and I were talking. We're trying to figure out how many Mustangs he's killed total, and it's impossible to count them all. But we said, all right, narrow it down to practice. How many has he detonated during practice? And we figured it was three, but I think the Vegas line's like three and a half because I think it might be higher. So, what's your. Well, what else? I so think you got, we've we talked about this before, but Justin and I, I don't know, we went to watch a tour race at Groveton. And Wiener, he was a regular over there, I think. And uh, we. There's had, regular something? Yeah, there's nothing regular about Wiener, <laughs> first of all. So we're, we're going in the pits and. Wiener's a ra- he races with us, so we go over and say, I don't, the trailer's already closed. And we're like, that's kind of weird. So we walk in, and Wiener's like bleeding out his mouth. Car's total. And he's like, oh, I almost won. We're like, practice hasn't even ended. He's like, but I was fast. <laughs> he just killed it. <laughs> Justin's like, I think you need to go to the hospital. I'm fine. <laughs> okay. I'm going to win. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, oh man. So, you're running on fumes right here, literally, I guess, with the methanol, but what are your what are your chances tomorrow? Right now, you're asking? Yeah, I'm asking you. I'll let you know. I don't know we're going to get it done. We'll see. We're, we're rebuilding right now. So, after today, I would say zero, um, but we'll, uh, we'll see in the morning. 
Gotta go there, sleep in the seat. Is there any enjoyment for you in a weekend like this, knowing that you're behind? Uh, there's always enjoyment to race. Like, no matter what, I'm fortunate I get to do this. So, at the end of the day, you're going to look back at this. And sometimes I remember those weekends that were trying like this more than I do the successful weekends. So... It's definitely, in the beginning of the weekend, was great. To go out and drive a, a super modified, that, that's going to be something that I can remember for a long time. And, uh, man, I, to blow an engine in the first part of practice, and if we can come out and salvage a good weekend out of this, this would be another great memory. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. So we're going to go on the realistic side, and who knows how it goes tomorrow. Well, you do get to carry the milk can out to the center of the racetrack tomorrow as the defending champion. So that just means i got to use more energy? Hank, <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's right. You have to walk further than everybody it, else. My freaking arm's falling off. That's right. Who, yeah. who am I carrying out there? Who's the other guy? I, I don't know. Is it Bobby? Are you oh, doing Bobby will carry me. Are you carrying the milk can out tomorrow? With... Have they asked you? They're going to ask you. Yeah. Okay. Well, Bobby, Bobby can carry it. Maybe Brian can do it. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe Robbie can do I it. I, yeah. <laughs> um... Let's let's get Bobby and Robbie back in here for a minute because I, I want to have all four of you kind of trading war stories here. Somebody wake Robbie up. <laughs> yeah, I'll slide. The one guy I don't want to be is Brian Hart. Yeah. Watching his daughter race. Okay. That's got to be so hard. It's nerve-wracking. <laughs> well, well, you and I were watching that segment together oh, and we fantastic. were like okay she's on the outside okay then is dusting it up with switzer like he doesn't take any crap either and what was the conversation we had about her because you you were singing her praises the only thing i said is i like you know the 16 why doesn't he just stop and go up and tell the track how to run the race <laughs> you know i i just don't get that i did that move a few times where i want to come up you know and 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 try to, uh, you know, straighten the track out. And that never worked. <clears throat> oh, my God. Now I, I want to ask about some Tom Curley stories then, because I know all of you have had problems. All of you. <laughs> all of you. Problems? It's a perspective. Yeah, yeah. Problem? <laughs> Nick, you might be the only one who didn't quit Tom Curley, actually. That, that's I did. We had a meeting. You did? Yeah. Well, what was that like? <laughs> Like being in the principal. He's office. he's gone now. You can be honest about no, it. No, it was good. He was he was good, straight shooter. <laughs> so he did all the talking. Yeah. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby, I know that you guys, you and Tom had had some issues uh, at the end of the NASCAR North Tour era there. All right. But yeah, you but you eventually came back. It took a while. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure that Tom's displeasure was was all with me i think it was more mo and gene the owners of the car that i was driving i think you know they they didn't make it easy for him to like them and 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 vice versa and so on uh but i was i was part of it and so you know we we suffered the consequences of tom's wrath uh, uh you know like like everybody did at some point i mean uh, it, you also have the unique 
perspective, at least in this group, of having a son who was taken out behind the woodshed with Tom a couple of times. Absolutely. What's that like for you as a dad? Yeah, no, and and I think that bothered me as much as anything, uh, the situation that Scott ran into. I think it was a race at Monadnock or whatever uh, over a over a shock issue that took them right out of yeah. the championship run that they had going, you know, and, and that really hurt, really hurt me, you know, real bad. But uh, I don't know. Tom Tom thrived on controversy. Uh, you know, it was almost like uh, if he didn't have a, if he didn't have some kind of a, a run in on a on a weekly basis at a racetrack, he was he was down a court. You know, and, and that's the, that's kind of the, the way he operated. You know. He was. Tom was the ultimate fan. He knew how to sell tickets, put on a show, and. Frig the racers. Frig the racers. It's kind of Vince McMahon, right? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Hey, so I want to say this, okay? Go ahead. Last year, he won his fourth milk bowl, right? Not five, four. Four, yeah. But the 48 was also in victory lane, yeah. so it's got more milk bowls. Than We've got you. defending warrior milk bowl champion Al Maynard here in our midst, of course, yeah, with the 48 for Robbie. I was Robbie. so excited, I ran down and got my picture taken with him. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. So, so all the friends tomorrow are tomorrow. Yeah. I'll be down if Taylor wins. Yeah, that, that makes go. sense. They have six, and then you know, good yeah, luck. I'm all done. Got a lot of catching up yeah. to do. There's just so many people that wanted to have their picture taken with you, and then then you ran down to have your picture taken with me. It didn't make any sense at all. No, but it was it awesome anyway. Really, that's yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, it's no secret that you're kind of the world's biggest Nick Sweet fan, but you didn't go down and see Nick in Victory Lane. You, you only saw Al. No. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> I thought I'd made an idiot out of myself once, you know, in one day. <laughs> Brian, give us, since since we're all sharing Tom stories, you must have at least seven. I've only got two because yeah. we don't have time for seven. So starting with Robbie Crouch, because as if you listen to my three-hour podcast with you, um, I was a big Robbie Crouch fan. I've still got your helmet from 1986. But anyways, <laughs> Robbie one time when he left ACT and and, uh, and went Bush North Racing, I don't know what, what point it was I asked this question, but I, I remember asking him, I remember asking him, how is it racing for NASCAR versus racing for ACT? And NASCAR, you know, there's a lot of people in charge and I remember his answer was very, 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 um, very blunt. At least with ACT, you knew who was fucking you. <laughs> Rest in peace, Tom. I love you, man. Well, you said you had two stories. What's oh. the other one? See, I'm getting old. I already forgot. Yeah. Uh, 1999, we had a really good year. That was the throwback scheme that's out here. Uh, they threw some rules at us there, and that was really the last of the built motors. The Dodge. That was the last of the Dodge, right? So we decided real, really early on that we were going to uh, beat everybody with a Chevy. So, But we didn't want anybody to know because they threw some rules at us and, and made it tougher to win with a Dodge So in the Ford because uh, Phil Scott was really fast yeah. with his Ford. So anyways, we came back with a Chevy, uh, but we had it disguised. But unfortunately, what happened is I tried to be a comedian at the 1999 uh, championship banquet, and um, it, I failed miserably, and I actually offended some people. 
in, including Tom Curley. And um, so Tom decided to wait till the start of the 2000 American Canadian Tour, and it was the Remington Shootout at Airborne. And here we unveiled this this Chevrolet, but it looked this, like a Dodge. We took the it was all white with checkers down the side and and um it, we had a disguise as a dodge intrepid long story short as we roll across the scales and and i'll never forget dean's gallison's look on his face when i rolled across and i didn't meet the dodge weight limit and uh he took a step back and realized it was a monte carlo in disguise and so we uh we made it through tech okay but then, right before the race, Tom did his famous, I'm going to drag this son of a bitch behind the trailer, and we're going to have a talk. So he made sure I missed... That crooked finger. Oh, and I had the finger in my you face. All, you all know exactly what it is. So he pulled me behind the trailer and made sure that the conversation lasted the entire practice, and I missed the first practice yeah. of the 2000 season uh, to get my ass chewed about whatever took place uh, with with uh, all the, uh, the players involved. Let's put it that way. Uh, Dave Moody was one of them. <laughs> Dave, Dave had the inside groove, and and uh, and he had uh, called me a cheater back in 1999. I was offended by it because I actually got disqualified because I was over on left side weight, and I evidently was cheating, right? So, anyways, I didn't like it. So this whole thing led to a big conversation, and uh, Tom got his way and made sure that I missed the uh, missed the missed that first practice. I love it. The only thing that saved my ass was he couldn't believe it when I when I actually because he didn't know at that moment that I had a Chevy behind the trailer, and I literally had to drag him out. I said, "Look, I didn't piss and moan, scream and yell when you changed the rules. I never called you. I never whined. We built a Chevy, and that stopped his whole argument right there. And he walked around and looked at, back at it. He looked at me. We're good. Done." <laughs> Now, we do have some business to take care of. Uh, this started with an idea on Facebook yesterday from I don't even know who. And the throwback thing has been a theme that has kind of taken off. Marcel Gravel started a couple years ago, and he's the only guy without a throwback scheme this year. But uh, somebody suggested that we do a throwback paint scheme award. So we, I said, okay, I work at a graphic shop. I can do that now. And two hours later, we had trophies made. This afternoon, we put it up to a vote uh, for the fans uh, to decide their their favorite uh, throwback paint scheme, and the winner is Justin Prescott. So, congratulations! Where, where is he? I saw him. I know he's here. And honestly, it wasn't even close. So, I don't know where he is, but here you can have these, Brian. There's one for the team and one for your graphic designer. So, there you go. There you go. Is is Brandon Brandon Tinker here? Brandon, get your butt up here. All right. Bobby, Robbie, Brian, and Nick, thank you very much. Uh, Eric and, uh, you know, everybody that joined us, uh, Bob and Al, thank you guys. Thank you, everybody. There's a band playing at some point. We're not sure what's happening from now on, but thank you for joining us. Have fun tomorrow. We'll be in the parking lot. Have a great night, everybody. There you have it, folks. There was the audio from Uncommon Deeds Live. I still like the sound of that. Mm. Yeah, it's good. Caden Fisher finished sixth, by the way. I just looked it up. Oh, I, yeah, I also had looked it yeah. up, but we had kind yeah. of moved on. Yeah. I'm sure he'll so take It was a that. fun weekend, man. It was fun. Yeah. Really enjoyed it.
Yeah. Hopefully, uh, more of those to come. And maybe some different areas so we can meet some more people. Oh, thank uh, Richard Bradley, who brought me a uh, a program from 1993. Yes. After Pat had won Eminem in a Eminem beverage night. Eminem beverage. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. Very appreciative of that. I was a little jealous of that, actually. <laughs> Well, someone also came up with a freaking milk bowl checkered flag after to ask for your autograph on it. So yes, that was that was Jason Lemoy, the flagger. I helped him. He does a special flag every year for the the checkered flag for the milk bowl, and I kind of helped him with putting it together a few months ago. And he he handed it to me rolled up as we were starting the show, and I'm like, what? I, and at the end, I had no idea what he was doing, but at the end. Uh, he was like, you got to sign this thing. I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> you don't need me to sign this. He goes, yes, I do. So I did. But that was that was cool, too. I was also, because I missed the beginning of the conversation. I just can't. No, you need to sign it. Yeah. So I sat, stood behind like, okay, I'll do mine next. He's <laughs> like, oh, thank you. And he rolled it up and walked away. I'm like, okay. I get it. I didn't. I didn't that. talk. I didn't talk today. I get it. You don't need mine. No context. I'm like, oh, nice guy wants to to sign his flag. No, just yeah. Justin. If it had been Justin and Al, I really would have been pissed. <laughs> oh man. Well, for you guys that weren't there, I hope you enjoyed it. We will have the video up from the show in the next handful of days on the YouTube. We're going to put that out there, and we're hoping, just like you guys did with our Facebook page, jump on there, start subscribing, and we're hoping to get more content out on the YouTube very shortly. Mm-hmm. And then also, if you weren't there and you're jealous of all the people that bought our merch this weekend. We still have merch available in stock. All you got to do is message us and let us know what you want. We'll get it in a package. We'll get it to you. Also, if you're someone who maybe doesn't fit in the sizes that we normally have, send us a message. It might take us longer to get the merch to you, but Justin can order those sizes. And if you are of the female persuasion, we've heard from people that would love some lady cut shirts. Let us know and we can get those also. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to be perfectly transparent, we don't have a lot in stock right now. So I'm guessing most things will take us a couple of weeks to get two or three weeks probably to get in-house and um, get them shipped out the door, but we will absolutely make good on it. We <laughs> little inside baseball here. I've got two shirts waiting to go to Maryland um, to one of our listeners who ordered them back in like July or August. We mailed them out. They've been sitting in the post office in New Jersey somewhere since before Labor Day. And it says it's pending, it's on the truck, and it's going to be delivered. Every day I check this 
stupid freaking tracking number and it's never going to happen. So we're just going to send him more. <laughs> and I can't like the post office won't even let me make the, the, the claim right now. Cause it still Cause says it's in transit. They're, yep. They're going to deliver it. So uh, it's been six weeks, but <laughs> we got new merch for him and we'll do what we can. If something like this happens to you, if you order merchandise from us and the post office screws it up, we will make it right. We could have um, road trip those to Maryland. We could have, we could have walked to Maryland and gotten it there faster. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I we got we got merch in Switzerland before we could get it to Maryland. We got, we got merch in Switzerland before Maryland. Yeah, what the hell? So yeah, we'll do what we can for you. Um, <laughs> like Tom said, let us know what you're looking for. We we took the original logo and put it on some red and some blue shirts, and those were hot sellers too. Um, so we're just kind of trying to diversify a little bit with what we've got. And like Tom said earlier, we have some awesome ideas in the works, um, and we've gotten the right people to sign off on them. Um, so production should start, I would guess, early winter. Um, once we get designs and approvals and all that stuff, uh, I'm really excited about it. It's going to be super cool. Yeah. It's, it's a vintage feel and yeah, just super excited. We're going old school. Yeah. And it doesn't really have much to do with our show. No, it has really nothing to do with our show. Um, it's a, a person that was on our show and that's about it or persons. So the one in particular, yeah. Um, yeah. but we have, we have a dozen ideas <laughs> for these things. Uh, and I'm, I'm confident that once one starts, the rest will take off quickly. So make sure you're the first to know by following us on all the socials, uncommon deeds on Twitter and Facebook, Uncommon Deeds podcast on the Instagram. The Instagram. That's a yawn because I'm tired. This has been an exhausting week. If you are interested in <laughs> becoming part of the Uncommon Media family, sponsoring the Uncommon Deeds podcast, the new Sports Order podcast, our newest yeah. podcast, the Crunch Bunch podcasts, when we carve out a little bit of time for Al in the next few years. We, we, we did make some contacts this weekend. Um, Al's excited to do it, but he's, he's, he's a busy he's man. The biggest race he's ever run right now. He was, he tried to be in the, in the cow chip throwing contest and was denied. <laughs> so, uh, but he's running for political office. Um, if you're in the Franklin one district in, in Northern Vermont, vote for Al Maynard for uh, house of representatives. He's busy. And also, if you're interested in getting in on our YouTube stuff that's going to be starting, we'll have those openings as well. All you got to do is send us an email, uncommonmediavt at gmail.com, and we will get with you. We will make a package that works and makes sense for you and for us. We said it in the beginning of the show. We like to kind of undersell over deliver. And I think if you talk to most of the 
businesses that we've been fortunate to work with, we usually come through on our end. Yeah. Um, and we like to be creative too. You know, we've got a, a sales sheet that we can send out to you, but that's by no means written in stone about this. Is, it's not always X, Y, Z. We can do QRNS for a minute too and, and yeah. just come up with something else. And like you said, over deliver, I think on our sales sheet, we guarantee whatever 30 second spot in the middle and something maybe a like 30 at the beginning. Know. And yeah. I don't think we've ever, ever talked about one of our sponsors for less than 30 seconds. Yeah, right. <laughs> less than 60 seconds. Oh, boy. That, you know, so yeah, we will take care of you. We're a cheap date. I'm telling you. Uh, we're the I Olive Garden. The, when you come with pop. us, you're family. Nice. I'll tell you right now, the pop that Eric Monaco got for the for what he spent will take care of you. You know, it's um, and that goes for all of our sponsors. I, I think I hope that they feel that way, and I don't know of any so far that haven't seen a return on their investment, if not in full, at least in part. Um, so we're we're pleased that we're actually helping them. Yeah. It feels much better when we get checks knowing that we're also bringing something to the table and it's yeah. not, you know, pity money. Yeah. Yeah. That about wraps All up. Right. We got to get, we got to get back into the groove now and, and actually do a real show this coming week. So. I have to put my nose to the grindstone. Of right. which we do not have a guest lined up yet. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> we have some in mind, though, for in like a few weeks, once the racing season yeah. finishes tailing off. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. And as always, we have we have names in mind. It's just about making making things happen. Mm-hmm. I know you order comes out on Thursday. Give that a listen. Give that a like and a love and a share on, on all the socials. Well, it's, I guess it's only on Facebook right now, but uh, yeah. it's, it's a fun show. You and Sterling are really kind of starting to find the groove. groove. It's and I, heavy. I don't know. Sh- I don't know shit about football, but I really enjoy listening to you guys. Cause it's funny, uh, but uh, you guys also seem like, you know what you're talking about too. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Or we fake it. Seem like, yeah. Uh, no, it's, it's been super fun. It's starting to take a little more shape. What are we four weeks in? It's heavy, you know, it's Patriots and it's Cowboys. You know, I'm a diehard Cowboys fan. He's a diehard Patriots fan. And we talk about him every week. And then we save a little time to talk about some other stuff going on in football. And it's been fun so far. Yeah. I'm enjoying it. As a, as a non-fan, I'm enjoying it. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. You've been listening to the Uncommon Teens podcast, a production of Uncommon Media.